The Money Show. The Africa Business Report. Victor Homeswana. He is the author of Africa Bounces Back. Uh, we've got everybody coming to Africa at the moment, Victor. We've got Sergey Lavrov from Russia. We've got Janet Yellen from the United States. It's it's like it's 2019 all over again. <laughs> Don't you like visitors, Bruce Whitfield? What's your problem? <laughs> no, we love visitors. I just want to... When I invite visitors to my house, I know why they're coming. Um, yeah. I'm not sure why these visitors are coming, and I'm not sure that they know necessarily why they're here either. What do you think? Oh, no. Oh, no, Bruce. They know why they're here. They know precisely. So the Russians, I can't say much, but I can tell you about Janet Yellen. I can tell you about Christina... What's the, I forget her surname. is like a surname like mine, the, the IMF lady. And that's why both of them, those ladies, visited Zambia. Zambia is about the most indebted or among the most indebted country in Africa. Because if you recall, the IMF and the World Bank recommend countries should not have more than 50% of their GDP in external debt. And Zambia is almost approaching, I don't know, it's close to 90% or something. South Africa is not that far out. So the visit by Janet Yellen, among other things, if you look at the Voice of America story, they say she's in Zambia to discuss Chinese debt because they know that where China is owed by Africa, there is a gap they can fill. Just bear in mind, this is about the power shift, Bruce, from the West to the East. So every, every time China makes some gains on relations or international relations with Africa, with its trade now over $250 billion, America is looking to regain some of that lost ground. And where you have an over-indebted country, the Americans would like to know if they can't find a way to patch up. Remember that when, when Zambia defaulted, and Ghana followed, there's now a group of creditors who are coming together to discuss how to deal with it. Now, China is going to be looking at this case. The world is going to be looking at the case of defaulting Zambia to see how China will deal with it. Why did Zambia borrow money? They borrowed it, among other things, to build the Kenneth Counter International Airport. It's a beautiful airport, but you don't want to be owing China that much because you know what they did in Sri Lanka. They, they literally impounded a port to recover their debt. So maybe the Americans are thinking we could regain some lost ground because China is going to be having to have some tough discussions with African countries. Yeah, um, and I, she was making some very strong statements about Zambia and the way in which Zambia should be managing its affairs. Um, I, how was she received in Zambia? Because, uh, uh, you know, often countries, sovereign states, don't like to be told what to do, particularly by pesky foreigners coming in and trying to give them orders. Yeah, you know what, Zambia, in fact, you should say why was she in Zambia. Among other things, Zambia is a very, I would say, a very business-friendly president, Heishelema. President Heishelema is a businessman himself. You'll know he hasn't taken a salary. He lives in his own house. He has really done a lot of good things for Zambia since taking over after fighting for so many years to get in there, including making the, the Zambian Kwasa to be the best performing currency in Africa last year, Bruce. So he's making the right move. So Janet Yellen was received well because in the end, when you're back against the wall, but you're making the right kind of policy moves 
to attract investors, you are going to be very friendly to the Americans. They are still the largest economy in the world. So you can't be showing them the middle finger, even if you might not like how they behave. But Hichilema is a very good president. He understands diplomacy. He's a businessman. I think he's very well respected to date, and that's why you're seeing the flooding. But of course, they are visiting Zambia because he's on the back foot debt-wise. Yeah, and we are then playing host to Sergei Lavrov, the foreign minister of Russia. <laughs> Russia is invading and continues to uh, invade Ukraine. We refuse to condemn those attacks because, of course, we're in a BRICS relationship with Brazil, Russia, India and China. Um, and we've got the Chinese and the Russians coming to play war games off our coast with us in the middle of February, a sort of a follow-on to what they did here of Cape Town in 2019. And it just, I, I, I'm struggling to work out, you know, are, are we trying to be friends, friends with everybody and enemies with those who criticize us? I, I'm not sure what we, it is. We are, we, are way, we are way too small to be choosing sides, even if we were, and I had your, pro, your discussion earlier on with, with a prof about Cold War. We we are way too small, but we are also way too important. We are part of the African community. We are part of BRICS, but we are also part of G20. We are part of we are part of these all these communities that we we cannot afford. Multilateralism is the future, Bruce. So you are going to be hugging hyenas to to side the late Chris Honey along your way, and you are going to be kissing a lot of toes. Unfortunately, we are in a globalized or an increasingly globalizing economy. We need all these people to have good relationships with them. So let me hope that we will be able to juggle all these balls that are in the air because I don't have a clue who to trust anymore. You, as long as I've known you, you've been talking about border posts and the complexity of border posts and the hindrance to the freedom of movement and trade and brilliance of Africa's border posts, particularly in our region in Sadak. You only have to go and spend, you know, a couple of minutes at Bight Bridge or the border, any one of the border posts going into Eswatini or anywhere else um, to realize that they're dysfunctional and a hindrance to progress. Um, there yep. does seem to be an interesting proposal on the table to try to improve this problem. It's a very impressive development, Bruce. Uh, uh, the, the, the 50 years of the African Union led to the formation of many initiatives, including the what they call PEDA, the Program for Infrastructure Development in Africa. And because of the Africa Continental Free Trade Area, one border posts are going to be the norm. In other words, if you and, and they are already one border post, so it mustn't sound like fiction. Chirundu border post between Zambia and Zimbabwe is a one stop border post. There are many, I think four of them or five around Rwanda with its neighboring countries. So many countries have moved and established one border post and driving makes it makes it easier. I think the bad bridge is going to head in that direction. If nothing else, the, the infrastructure development will help. So this initiative in involving TASEC Investment, which is an Ivorian company, is, is, is using the software, the developments that they are, they are getting the one-stop border post to be a norm in Africa, and they are, they are showing, they are, they are copying the examples used already in those instances that I've, I've mentioned to, to take this, to make it a, a more continent-wide phenomenon. So if anything, this is a story that shows that although it sounds like a pipe dream often, this Africa trade slowly but surely they are moved in the right direction because when you have the World Bank and and all these many development finance institutes including 
the initiatives of the African Union, putting money into making one border post a reality. We are, we are moving in the right direction. It's too slow for my liking, but we are moving nonetheless. Talk to me about the importance of a deep sea port in Nigeria. It's happening. It's called the Leki Deep Sea Port. Um, yeah, how, how important, how significant is this? Oh, man, come on, Bruce. We're talking Lagos here. This is Africa's largest economy. We're talking Lagos, the biggest city, the biggest trade port. So this lake is, a, is part of the infrastructure. Remember that Dangote is building, among other things, a, a refinery which should have inaugurated long ago. But this inauguration of the of the multi, multi-billion dollar investment is just to improve that kind of traffic. Nigeria is on the west coast of Africa. Dangote has large cement companies in Nigeria that are exporting cement to a whole lot of other West African countries. In fact, just to give you an idea, one cement factory by Dangote in Nigeria at one point was producing more than all of South Africa's cement companies combined. So it's a lot of cargo that has to move from that country outside and also moving inside. Remember, Nigeria still imports a lot of foodstuffs, although they have at least moved a bit to diversify and and move that agriculture needle a bit better than it was. But it's still importing a lot of cargo. You know many South African companies are there, and when they do, do, uh, do business in Nigeria, they're still importing lots of their stock. So it's just, it's just basic 200 million people to feed them, to export whatever they're producing, to get petroleum in and out, because that refinery by Dangote is not meant for the Nigerian market only. It's meant for the rest of the West African region. So that, this deep sea port is just to ensure that the traffic is not going to be jammed. At the moment, getting into Nigeria or out is a nightmare if we're talking ports and harbors. But here is another interesting story, talking about people visiting Africa. It's owned by the government of Nigeria and and surprise, surprise, the government of China. Um, is it something we should be considering, considering the <laughs> catastrophe at our own ports? I don't know if you saw the statement on the port of Maputo today from Grindrod, um, which owns 25% of it there. Um, and yeah. it just seems to be functioning so well and so so refreshing to see a high-functioning port in our region that yeah. we are using that more than we're trying to use our own ports, which are shambolic. Yeah, I would rather have an efficient port, Bruce, than own one. Just like I would rather have an efficient airline than own one. I I don't really care. If we are going to do the we are going to drop the cost of exporting and importing by partnering with other people, I say let's do it. The problem is when it's China and your economy doesn't deliver for you to be able to repay the debt, you have a big problem. They might impound it like they did in Sri Lanka. Thank you very much to Victor Khomaswana, the author of Africa Bounces Back. Victor Khomaswana with our Africa Business Report.